D-A-K-I-C-K-B-A-C-K. Another episode of The Kickback with Sabrina, Sharika, and E.B. Sit back, relax, and vibe. Good morning, afternoon, hello, whenever time you listening to this, welcome to The Kickback. I mean, we here live in full effect. I'm going to just start saying good to people. <laughs> <laughs> Opening emails, good. Now, <laughs> now, now you day. <laughs> I hate, speaking of emails, I really hate all the pleasantries and emails. I really just wanted no. to get straight to the point. Oh, I don't like No, it. psychology has taught us that when you start positive, it puts people no. in that mindset and they like, can receive where, where's your information better. Where's what I need? Or here's what I need you to do. I hate all the, good morning, hope this email finds you well. I really don't care if it finds you well. I just really <laughs> want you to know why I'm writing, whether it's I need something from you or I need you to do something I for feel me like Evie is a good email I writer. Say, I try to be, but I would say, so I get it maybe when you're asking someone for something or requesting something from somebody. But what do you do when someone is emailing you? You don't like those pleasantries when they're no, opening up what the do conversation? You want? No. I would agree I mean, on that because I'm like, let's just get to the meat of it. I have too much to do today to read through a paragraph of how are you doing. But because what if I said I was doing bad? You're not going to send me a care package. And, not, and I'm not going to say I'm doing bad either. I just want to know what you want from me. You don't know that. Sometimes I definitely email people back and say, I'm having a terrible day today. You be do, You would do that. I, I'm not. You have to. I so just they stick, know I stick to the business. <laughs> I really don't care how you feel about how I'm feeling. I don't like emails like that. So I just be like, what, why are we but doing But you this? like it in person, Sharika. See, in person, that's you, different. You would feel some type of way if someone wasn't like, good afternoon, hi. You're right about that. I think because I don't, it's a tool to get things done in my mind. Mm. And, and and that is not, like, that's, I don't have the, I mean, I do do the pleasantries. You know, I'm at work. I got to be professional, but I really hate it. I wasn't doing them, and I definitely got <laughs> Not in trouble from another department, not in Florida, but they definitely were like, and your emails are so short. And I'm like, yeah, because I really don't need what? That, you were my favorite. <laughs> I need it short, concise, and straight to But the then point. when they were long, they had a problem with that, too. They just had a problem. No, I definitely have problems with long emails. I, I can't read no essay. I, I go to look at the essays and say, yeah, I'm not reading all this. Uh, okay. It's just not going to happen. Not today, at least. Okay. And I'll be skimming through, missing the important part because you say it too much. The only essays I liked was my former supervisor. He had a Friday report, and I would read the whole And it was long, but I would mm-hmm. read the whole thing. If the content is good, I don't mind. But mm-hmm. if you're just babbling, talking in circles, saying information that's left, I'm going to pull a Sharika and definitely <laughs> just skim, get to the heart of it, and then keep it moving. Just so you know. When you write us emails, I mean, okay, I think we'll like a little pleasantries from you guys. And we haven't even shared our email. We haven't. If people want to email us, hit them with the spelling, it? Evie, because I love <laughs> I love that open B A K I C K B A C K. 2020 at gmail.com. The kickback 2020, 2020 at gmail.com. See, we made it simple. A year none of us will ever forget. Ever. Mm. I'm not even going to lie, though. I'm not feeling 2020 at all. And I think it just leads me to to say that today, this week, I'm at an 85 in my temp check. <laughs> nice. 
Definitely at an 85. Things have been smooth. Things have been solid. Getting ready for some future vacation that's locked in and loaded. So it's been good. Um, Where am I at? I think I'm at a good 89. Uh, The Lord is good and I have great things to be grateful for. So, And and I'll start with today, another day of life. What temperature is it that like uh, you fall asleep? Because that's where I am. (laughs) Is it like 65? I know like your body, your temperature drops, you're colder. Yesterday I came home from work. I had all these aspirations of what to do. I woke up at 11. Like, oh, my husband was like at 11 p.m. At 11 p.m. And I'm trash because I told y'all, oh, I'm going to be available after 7 because I thought, you know, I'll go home, I'll cook dinner. And then, you know, I woke up at 11, got ready for bed and went back to sleep with no shame in my game. And I feel that same fog today. I can't wait to go home and go back to sleep. Listen, I feel like that sometimes. Sometimes you need that. Yeah, it's good. It's good. So that's where I am today. It's a good place to be. Who's invited to the kickback today, Sharika? Our invitation goes out to Amber P. Ryan. Do y'all know who that is? I was introduced to her through Glee. Yes, yes, exactly. She is an actress, singer, author, and activist, but she is best known for her role as Mercedes Jones on Glee. She has a beautiful voice. Yes. Oh my gosh. And she also won the 17th season of Dancing with the Stars. But one of the main reasons she's invited to the kickback is because of this movement that she has started is called Unmute Me. And it is about Black people hitting the unmute button and telling their stories. So the goal of Unmute Me is to end Black silence in the entertainment industry to hold power structures accountable for pressing Black experiences and three, to confront microaggression with courage. Basically, if you work in the entertainment industry, whether you do uh, craft services, whether you work the sound engineer, anything in the entertainment industry, all the way up to actors, actresses, singers, whatever. If you have had experiences that were negative because you were Black, this movement is collecting those stories. And when they collect these stories, they're using these stories to make changes in the entertainment industry. You know, there's lots of stories about how there's like all these roles for white men, white women and stuff, but there's like very, very few roles and positions for people of color. There's hardly any people of color behind the scenes on in, in the entertainment industry, unless you are intentional. People just haven't been given a lot of opportunities. It is not nepotism, but is nepotism the one where you just get your friends? Nepotism is family. Family. That's why I was like, that's not nepotism. It's the one where you're like, oh, this is my buddy from college. Cronism. There we go. So it's that, you know. They always put their friends on, but there's not a lot of black people in the industry to put them on. And also, I'm like, we need an unmute me in all industries, okay? Because there have been some shared experiences, especially microaggression in the black community, in a lot of industries, especially industries that are higher paying and there's less people of color and there's a lot of I'll just say some negative and shared experiences so I'm like I we need to unmute me everywhere so I really admire her and the rest of the people that have gotten together to start this movement and that's why Amber P. Riley is our invitee to the kickback today. There we go shout out to Amber P. All right so we talking about social unrest. 
You know what? I was going to do a disclaimer, but you know what? No disclaimer. No disclaimer. It is what it is. It is what it is and has been for For years. years. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things, I mean, I was going to say that has come about through this pandemic, but it really hasn't come about through this pandemic. But now we all sitting here and we got the time. Exactly. And you talk about made you look, it's like there's nowhere else to look. So now you're forced to just acknowledge it or it's right there in your face and you can't like just hide behind the busyness of your life. For some people, I think some people definitely find a way to ignore it. Mm-hmm. To say that it's not a thing that's going on or it's just a select few mm-hmm. or it's these other mi- microaggressors in this world of ours. So some people are just going to ignore what they want to ignore. Do you think during the pandemic, those people were still ignoring it? Because I felt like more people were speaking out than ever. Well, I feel like the ones that were, that would technically ignore it, I feel a lot of them, they got scared and they did, they, they felt uncomfortable and then they started getting defensive. So, and I think some people were awakened to some things that, like you were saying, they were, they weren't really paying attention to. Some people got angry. That's and fine. Some people got we're talking about it. Yes, they did. Some people said, I've been wrong. And you know what? I'm here for it. I appreciate it. I said, I think on our first podcast, the only wrong step when it comes to activism is doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So shout out to everybody who is doing something. That's true. There you go. Unfortunately, listen, we've been having murders of black people and wrong treatment of black people for years, hundreds and hundreds of years. But while we've been in this pandemic, we've had a few uh, murders that have just really, I think, sparked and just kicked off this. I don't even know if it's a movement, but just we ain't taking this no more. This unrest, like we're not resting. We're not chilling. We like Sabrina said, we 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 have all the time for this today. And so people have really been stepping up and, and speaking out against all these things. And we saw the brutal murder of George Floyd. We saw Ahmaud Aubrey get gunned down. I mean, every day I'm on social media, we've been requesting, begging, pleading for the arrest of the killers of Breonna Taylor. I mean, there has been so much going on. It's It's really just traumatizing. It's already traumatizing enough when we're talking about those aspects of our history. But during this pandemic, it's like, I don't need one more thing. I'm trying to just sit and not get sick and eat these chocolate chip cookies with Doug. But it's like every, it felt like for a while, every month, Mm -hmm. every month, something else, something else, something else. Yeah, it was definitely a hard time. And I appreciated what you and Evie have been doing on social media. I know for myself, I almost went into like this comatose state, right? Mm-hmm. And my pastors were amazing. They called me and I was kind of surprised, mm-hmm. but I guess I'm black. So they were just checking on me. And I know with Ahmad, I run so much in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And for a while, I would have my husband follow me on my bike if it was nighttime. And even during the day, I would just have this anxiety with just running. Because mm. I'm like, literally, I can't even run. And I'm running and I'm crying. And this isn't my life. I'm not a depressed mm. person. So um, yeah, I was in this kind of a comatose state because I felt like a lot of the stuff that people were saying during this time is stuff I've been saying my whole life. Yeah. So part of my education, I went to a private Christian university for a very short time. And when I was there, I experienced more racism than I ever have in my whole life. And I'm from small town North Carolina. 
And I remember when I left, one of the last things I had to do was speak in chapel because we had chapel there and it was Martin Luther King Chapel. There are only like nine black people, four of wow. which who were African-American. The rest were like from the continent of Africa. So anyway, they were like, oh, who are we going to choose? One of these four, Sabrina, you know, she can speak in chapel. And I remember talking about a lot of the things that people talked about during this pandemic. Mm. And I was like, you know, I'm tired. Do you guys handle this right now? Because I can't. I am tired. And I got out of that and I had some of those conversations, but it was very hard. Shout out to the young people because y'all were really holding it down. When I tell you, and I went to my little uh, protest or whatever, but when I tell you so many of my young students were out there on their Snapchats, on their TikTok, on their social media, I'm going to say her name, Destiny James, on her, mm -hmm. you know, speaking out in a way that my pain just hadn't allowed me to mm -hmm. at the time. You're talking to someone who the KKK killed not one, but two of my uncles, right? Somebody who I've seen my dad, literally, we were at a cell phone place when I was little. The only time I see my mom and had handcuffs and no, she didn't get arrested, but she was hitting the police and cussing them out because right. a white man had come to the cell phone place with a gun wow. and they hit the panic button, right? Mm -hmm. And when the cops came, they just went straight for my dad. My dad, he's um he's African-American man, but they were, he looks, I guess, like somebody who would commit the crime and it wasn't him and when the cops came in and rushed my dad then you had the people in the store being like no no the man with the gun is in the back and my mom is like hitting the cops they put handcuffs on her and wow. i remember i was like eight and i remember i just started crying because i was like every there's emotion going on wow. I'm crying. so lot. you know and i mean i can talk about my brother who first crime First time, mild weed offense, he's been in and out of the system because of that. And I know so many of my white friends who had it and they talk about it like it's jokes and games and giggles mm. and have never seen a prison. So, you know, and I could go on and on and I'm not going to spend the whole podcast talking about my own history, but it's in there. So this is happening and I'm like, here we go once again, you know, like what else can we say? What else can we do? I remember growing up, my dad would say, remember Sabrina, no matter what, no matter how smart, whatever, you'll always be a nigger to them and don't you forget. And he grew up sharecropping in North Carolina. And I had that in the back of my mind, even here at my workplace. And I honestly feel echoes of that sometimes even in my church, mm. because you can be right on it. Did it? I still get paid less, still get mm. treated, still okay. have people say things to me like, Oh, but you're not like them. And I'm like, like who? So instead of like looking at my black skin and seeing a black woman, you are so racist or you have this idea so much a part of you that we're less than you that you might just that you'd rather just say, no, she's white. Because what? Because and I y'all hear my I mess up words all the time. I'm not even that eloquent. But because I'm not the stereotype in your head, you can't just admit that some black people aren't that. You'd rather just be like, oh no, you're right. Or you must've been raised. I was not raised around white. I was raised in the hood. And one of the ninth, it is the ninth most impoverished city in America. Shout out to Rocky Mount. <laughs> you know, and the hood had people of all races, white, black, a few Spanish. I'm not gonna pretend we were that diverse. I didn't even see an Asian person until I left Rocky Mount. But you know, so there is no excuse except that not all black people are like that. Not so this all, is a not very all hard. Any people are anyway. Thank you, Sharika. So sorry, I kind of hijacked the no, pod. No, no, no. It's good. <laughs> I mean, but not all people are anyway. But what we have all seen is that historically, black people have been treated less than. Mm -hmm. Hence, the Black Lives Matter movement. I don't understand how this is a, such a hard concept. For people to understand. I hope 
This is not the first time you've heard this, but just in case you haven't, Black Lives Matter does not mean Black Lives Matter more. Black lives are better. It doesn't mean we want Black supremacy. We just want equality and equity. We want to matter. We want to be able to thrive, survive, just like everybody else. And And it doesn't mean that if we feel that if black people commit crime, they should be going off scot-free. No. But we should feel like if white people commit crimes, they shouldn't be going off scot-free. And also, if we do commit crimes, we should get the same treatment as everybody else. Our sentences shouldn't be worse and more, like Sabrina was talking about, they shouldn't be longer sentences more penalties than everybody else. We need the same treatment, and that's what Black Lives Matter essentially is about. Of course, there's a lot more in it, especially in the Christian community. There has been some huge problems with people feeling a ways about Black Lives Matter. And to them, I say, what y'all doing? What are you doing to help the cause of people who are in need, who are suffering, who are dying, What are you doing to help support and encourage and fight for justice for people who need your support and help? One of the things that has come out or has happened through this pandemic is the church has really a lot. I'm not going to say the church as a whole, but a lot of people who uh, are a part of the church have felt a certain type of way of Black Lives Matter movement. And they felt like it was this and it was that. And listen, this is how I feel about it. There is not a lot of things that I, outside of God, the Bible, Jesus Christ, there's not a lot of things I subscribe to 100% because we're all different people and, you know, people have their own ideas of what, you know, when they begin things and when they start movements, when they start programs, and you might be a part of a program, you might be a part of an organization and you subscribe to most of it, and you love a lot of things, not every situation is perfect. And so there are some things that people find problematic with Black Lives Matter movement. And you know what? I I feel like if they're out here trying to help, I'm taking the help. I like liken it to the story in the Bible of the Good Samaritan. Like there was a lot of people who passed by this beat down man who was Mm. dying on the side of the road, religious people, people who you thought would have stopped and helped. And it was a man from a, another town, another area that was basically their enemies who was the one who stopped and helped this man. And I don't care who you are. If I'm in need and I'm, in, in, and I'm hurt, I'm you know, being beat, whatever it is, and someone is stopping to help, I don't care what their beliefs are. I don't care what they feel like. If they're willing to do something positive to help save me, help to save a life. I'm taking the help. I'm accepting the help. I'm grateful for the help. And I don't care where they came from, what they think it, if they're trying to do something well. And that's kind of how I feel about the Black Lives Matter movement. To mirror what you said, I was interested that in the midst of all this angst, right, where we can really talk about conversations that have been ignored, especially in the church, right? Usually when I'm talking, I'm talking to my brothers and sisters in Christ, that instead of looking internally at what we can do or what's been done or whatever that people looked externally and said, well, this movement supports the homosexual lifestyle. Well, this movement 
is against Israel and I have to do more research. But obviously, as a Christian, I support the Jewish people and I support Israel. I'm curious as to why instead of looking at yourself and the work you could do mm-hmm. are picking apart your churches, picking apart your own community, you're picking apart the Black Lives Matter organization, which is trying to do some good. Did you bring that same energy to the KKK? Have you brought that same energy to uh, the Donald Trump campaign, which has really been a part of a lot of the diversiveness in our country? We haven't seen it like this for maybe since the civil rights movement. That has been so bad because the leader is using this rhetoric to like push his agenda forward. And I'm saying that knowing that uh, the Donald Trump cabinet has passed a lot of positive policies, but it doesn't change the fact what his words have done Mm. to hurt people of color. So I'm really interested in that, Sharika. Like if there was a movement to help, um, let's say there's a movement to help the Jewish people, right? And we know a lot's going down in the Middle East always with Israel and people trying to take the land and all that. Would I look at that movement and be like, well, well, they also don't allow X, Y, and Z. Or would I be like, thank you so much for what you're doing? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And what, also like Sharika said, what are if you are, okay, you support Black Lives, but you don't support the organization, what do you support outside of your Facebook rants tearing down the organization? What have you done? Where was that scrutiny when it came to a lot of the people who support our president and, you know, can defend him in all shapes, ways, forms, and fashions about the things he has said out his own mouth? They can find, well, he didn't mean that. And they they can justify all those things, but then now they got a magnifying glass when it comes to other things that are actually trying to help people. So I just find that very interesting. It is interesting, and I've talk to people you know I keep saying this every podcast I have people that I love on both sides and when I talk to them about it some of them will not you know try to justify the things that Trump has said and done they just feel like the good things he's done his policies outweighs the bad and you know that is according to the way their life is whether they believe that I am not on that side of things but it is interesting what they choose to put a magnifying glass on and how hard it is why is it so hard for you just to say this killing was absolutely wrong and black lives matter and just that just that because i heard a lot against the organization before i heard some of these same people just sit look me in my eye and say your life matters mm-hmm. your life matters and they couldn't do it sharika and that that it's troubling. And some of them will never do it. And for <laughs> some of them, I don't expect them to do it. In the best way, I would say that's between that's between them and God. I, I think I know where I'll be when all is said and done. Whether it's people in the church or people outside of the church, it's one of those things is I'm okay with you saying that I don't matter because that'll help me know where our relationship stands. Mm-hmm. Now, for my brothers and sisters in the church, it's one of those things I remember seeing it on social media where um, in Luke 15, where it, whether it's talking about the prodigal son, whether it's talking about the lost coin, whether it's talking about the lost sheep, right? The other nine coins wasn't dismissed. It was just this one was in need of finding. Mm-hmm. The, the prodigal son who, or the one who went away, the older son, a lot of you are acting like the older brother right now. Okay. Where That's you just word. want your stuff for yourself. And you want to dismiss the ones that God has placed in your life to love and care on and to comfort in their time of need. And I'm happy that we have a heavenly father who sees us and who knows that we matter. And similar to the lost sheep, the 99 were not in danger. 
So okay. he, they left the the shepherd left the ninety nine to go after the one. And in this situation, black and brown lives or people are being literally persecuted. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a better word for you. You don't like killed or murdered. People are being persecuted. Maybe it's not even about the police. Think about the Ahmad Arbery case mm-hmm. or the Trayvon Martin case. Yeah. People are getting killed and murdered and slaughtered and persecuted by vigilantes who are neighbors to us. Yeah. Which is mind-boggling to me that these people, time and time again, are being defended for their reckless, evil acts of hatred. Mm-hmm. No other way to put it, no other way to quote it, word it, and it's just one of those things that I'm getting to a better place in my own life. Like I told y'all earlier, right, I'm at an 85, getting to a better place where I don't engage in mindless conversations with yeah. certain people Amen. because I know that they don't value me and they don't value other people who look like me and it's not beneficial to my own walk or it's not b- beneficial to my mental health to in- entertain them so to speak and when you mention like people like Trayvon Martin George Zimmerman is out here scot free free out here signing skittle bags. Signing skittle bags for money, filing lawsuits to Beyonce and Jay-Z. All types of just, just, just ridiculous. Can, can, can you imagine that? Imagine your child was killed, murdered, and someone, the person who did it, and they know who did it, is free. Just, just out making free. money off and of making what money they off did. Of it. Yeah. Making money off of what they did. And that's what we're talking about when we say this has to matter because I can't imagine the outrage had Edie murdered some Molly Sue and then was out here making money off of what he did. Edie would not be walking. Uh-oh. I just don't believe, I just don't, because I have not seen it. And don't hear what we're not saying. I know that white people and Asian people, and I hate saying white because what is white? So I'll say European Americans. I know that they and Mexican Americans and people have been, other races have been killed by the police. So I'm just saying when it happens to black people, the outrage is not matched. The care is just not matched. And like Sharika said, people are getting away scot free and i have i have feelings about george zimmerman but i'm not even going to put myself my soul in danger of hellfire right now what i want to say about that man but yeah yeah we're just not going to change yeah last night i started thinking about this whole defund the police thing too yeah. because i wish they would call it something different yeah, and we can get into that, that same i would i had a little chant it was like Get rid of the bad ones. Reallocate See, the funds. Yeah. Because if we, when I hear defund, hold up now. If something pops off, as much as I'm talking, the first number I'm telling is, and they arrested my dad for no reason. Well, they didn't arrest him because they were wrong, but, you know, they attacked him for no reason. The first thing I'm doing is 911. This is the address. Pull up quickly. So I want the police to be funded. I've always felt like police and teachers don't get paid enough, especially yes, policemen definitely. who lay their lives on the line like, I know there's a lot of bad ones, but there are ones out there who, to this day, would take a bullet for me, and I appreciate that. But we do need to reallocate these funds. They do need better training, which uh, the the Oval Office passed a policy recently to 
allocate more funds for their training, which I appreciate them. You know, like I said, get on them for the good things that they're doing. The defunding, just that's not a good title. That's not a good name. And like you were saying, reallocation is what we were talking about. Another thing that I think is would be helpful is accountability for those ones who are doing the wrong things. Because when when people aren't held accountable, it just promotes bad behavior. And that's what, you know, continues. And those who are doing well, it just makes them, I mean, and hopefully you would hope that they just have the conviction to do right anyway. But those who are just like trying to do right and those who are doing wrong is just making it bad on them. They just feel discouraged and I'm sure give up and give in. I mean, I'm not a police officer, but the code of, you don't snitch or you don't speak on whatever, like that's scary for a, a citizen. No, it definitely is. And I think part of that challenge, right, or part of that issue is something that has always been embedded in the American culture. Mm. And for example, right, we can go back, and it, well, it's some people who snitch and some people who don't. We can go back to where, um, in a sense, our ancestors or people who we were never able to meet were basically kidnapped, beaten, bruised, battered, to come and do some form of work. And I'm saying work in quotations because that's where some people try to code it as. But when they became slaves here in America, when a slave or two wanted to escape, nobody really told. It's like, I hope you get free. And some was basically, yeah, oh no, I like it too. And some (laughs) would snitch or like, I'm gonna tell a mass on you. But I think of just, um, even within our streets today, right? There's codes where people don't Mm -hmm. snitch and they have that same mindset within their police force and i know it's not the same because yeah. or i'll say it is the same but it's not the same but those people and i'm just thinking of co-workers who i have or friends who i have who i know who are in law enforcement they build a sense of brotherhood yeah and if you think about your personal family not everybody is okay with dirty or sharing their family dirty dirty sure. so that is what happens and then we have seen i'm just thinking here of instances that we have seen where people have in a sense try to hold other people accountable or share that with their leadership in the police force. And they have been basically dismembered. They have been um, basically bullied. They have lost their jobs. And it's like, I'm not going to tell you what to fight for or against, but just keep that same energy with these type of injustices as well. So people can notice all the bad things that happen. And I know we said, um, let's not call it defund the police. I, on the other hand, say it's okay to call it defund the police because that is what it is. Just defunding the money that goes into police. The other thing is, which I saw from our neighboring county in um, Pinellas, where St. Pete, they're doing this thing called community action or community assistance liaison, where their people, in a sense, their police, I'm not saying their people, but police in that area, they won't go for, in a sense, disorderly intoxication or suicide crisis or mental health. Mm-hmm. They'll have people who are trained, like trained professionals for like panhandling cases or homelessness or drug overdose those type of situations instead of having a gun-toting, armed-ready individual at these type of, I guess you could say, scenes or events or, in some cases, actual crimes. Like, I think of young kids, 8, 9, 10 years old, typically black and brown, who have some form of disorderly conduct or who are being kids in school, and it's an armed police officer coming to arrest Mm. 7- and 8-year-olds. And sometimes their parents aren't being informed. Their super like their guardians, people who care for them, have no idea where their children are. I saw an incident where a parent went to go pick up their child, and the child wasn't there. So of course, as a parent, they freak out and scared. And then they found out at the end of the day, picking their kid up, 
that their kid was arrested and was taken to a local juvenile detention center. Wow. Like, that is the type of defunding or reallocating because our current sources or funding is going to wrong things. Yeah. Like, that should not be the case. And this is something that you can YouTube, you can look up, and it's just mind-boggling mm. that these type of events are still happening in our country in 2020. I think this thing... What I'm about to say makes me even more mad than the people that have a problem with Black Lives Matter is the people who be like, well, what about the black people killing the black people? Oh, that, yes. Talk about it. That gets me so upset. And you might be wondering, well, what about those black people? Ain't nobody celebrating that. Black people don't like that black people kill black people. But also, white people kill white people. Asians kill Asians. We don't you, like that people kill people. And y'all don't be on that when the little white boys be shooting up all the schools. Oh, where? We don't. Where is that same energy? It's not there. It's, oh, well, you know, little Johnny had a bad childhood. Yeah, everybody who kills someone, there's something wrong with them for sure. But just keep that same energy. And there are people who are in those impoverished communities and a lot of the reasons, and systemic racism has a lot to do with that, the impoverished communities. And there are people in those communities who are trying to save, to stop the gun violence, to stop um, the gang violence. There are people who work daily to actually be proactive in trying to help their communities, trying to give young people after-school programs and things like that that they can get involved with so that they're not on the streets and they're not getting caught up in gangs and those kind of things. But there's not a lot of funding in those communities. And there's not, where is the church and support? And there are some churches and supports, but not these big, big churches with a lot of the money and a all those things because most of those are in affluent communities where they're not in those negative violent situations but there are people who are on the ground floor in those communities trying to help and trying to save black people's lives and they're black so we're not out here like well we don't care if we kill each other we just don't want you to kill us no we don't want any killings period nobody wants this on unjustified and without trial like that's the thing if your response to someone killing someone unjustified, not giving them a trial. If your response is, well, people, other people kill people, then you really need to check your heart. Mm -hmm. That's just it. Definitely check your heart. The other thing is when it comes to that is when we're talking about these situations, please, my friends, don't try to derail the conversation. Let's yeah. stay on the railroad tracks. When we talk about racism, for example, that's not black on black crime because black people don't kill each other because of racism black people kill each other just because differences of opinions at times sometimes because of just some minor disagreement um just issues that they may have in their neighborhood also those of you who love to do research those of you who love to look at certain things i would encourage you to go look at black neighborhoods and white neighborhoods or even hispanic neighborhoods with the same income levels mm -hmm. with the same demographics so to speak yeah. and you will see that the crime rates are consistent so have you ever said white on white crime no, because it sounds crazy. So stop saying black on black crime because Thank that you. sounds crazy as well. Sure Thank does. you. <laughs> and last thing I want to say is about the protesting and rioting. Listen, protesters are protesting. Rioters are rioting. And, and it ain't all the black people that are out there rioting, okay? I've seen a lot of other people of other colors rioting. So it's not just, well, y'all, what happened to the peaceful protest? I thought y'all was out here people... The peaceful protesters are out there peacefully protesting. And those who want to come out there reckless are doing that. And honestly, Trevor Noah said it best. He said, y'all are asking the wrong question. 
y'all are asking, what does it benefit you to uh, riot and loot a Target? And his question was, well, how does it not benefit you to loot and rob the Target? I care with you. They don't have that same energy after okay. football games and people tear up a whole city. A lot of times, those people don't look like us, but some of us be sprinkled in there just like a lot of them be sprinkled in the rest. But they don't have the same energy. And in the bedding in those situations to set other people up to look Oh, crazy. of course, like my friend, she was at a protest and there was a white guy on the bike and he had a Molotov and he threw it at the police and her and her friend got in a verbal altercation with him because they're like, what are you doing? Like, this is peaceful. Mm -hmm. And then they got in this whole thing fussing at each other and they, the peaceful protesters were trying to shoo this guy out because there are agitators who mm -hmm. come Mm -hmm. in and a lot of times now I've definitely seen videos of minorities tearing a place up I'm not gonna say that yeah. but I've also seen videos where it was started you know that mom mentality by a majority person a white person coming in starting it up and then people just falling in line so definitely keep that same energy which I didn't see near a status during those football games or hockey games, whatever, where people being like, what is this? What does this help? What, is this, what does this do for you? It Look was at just... our city. Y'all are tearing our cities down. Crickets. <laughs> you know you won't see it. Like, it's a lot of events that you can just look up. You can just put sporting events in Isn't riots. Isn't Philly like one of the worst ones? Oh, definitely. Like after they won the Super Bowl against my New England Patriots, <laughs> they tore that city up and nobody said anything. At all. The University of North Carolina, University of Duke. Oh, no, not North like, Carolina. Yeah, I'm saying after they win national championships, it's ridiculous in these places after they win basketball. Um, University of Kentucky, and these are things, friends, YouTube is a great place. Like, And it's just typically footage that's just there for you to go look at. And if you don't keep that same energy, I'm not saying to not talk about the rioting and yes. not talk about the looting, but if you do, just keep that same energy in other instances. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's all. Just That's keep all. that same energy. So that is what made us look. Made still us making look. me look. It's still making me look. <laughs> look crazy, look wild, look around, look okay. up, look down. Listen, and when I'm looking around, I'm looking at you sometimes too. Not you in here, but you know who you are. I will say, I have felt encouraged. Like I went to one protest. The other one I was on my way to and then they started wilding out and EB actually sent me some footage and I just oh, turned yeah. right back around <laughs> me and my husband. Because it was already during the pandemic, right? We had our masks. We saw people without masks just while and I was like, I can pray about this at home. I don't have to be out there right now. But I was encouraged when I went to um, a protest and actually these two were with me I was encouraged by how diverse it was not just you know different races and ethnicities but age-wise yeah. I was encouraged by how many churches and then I was reminded there are a lot more good people yes. in the world than bad and my husband and I we don't have cable right so we get a lot of well I get a lot of my news just from talking to people and mm -hmm. a little bit through Facebook and whatever is like I'll Google what's trending on Twitter even though I don't have a Twitter so it feels like when I'm just doing those things that everything is so bad and we're going backwards, we're going backwards. But then when I go and that, yes, I was there with a small circle of uh, my people, but that that whole community came together to be like, we're not on this. Black and our people matter. is a mix of all kinds of people. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and I will say, like Sabrina said, there are good people out here. And she talked about this a little bit ago about like our church. Our leaders, our pastors have reached out to us, have spoken against this. And that has been so important to me to hear the church speak out against racism, to speak out against the evils um, that are happening to people of color because it's important. And 
And I told my pastor this. I said, I appreciate your doing you doing this and for calling us and checking on my husband and I. And I told him, I would question, I would consider strongly leaving any church that was afraid and scared to speak out against racism because racism is sin. And if in the church we are scared to speak out against sin, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go to any church. And I don't care if it's about racism, stealing, whatever sin is happening in the lives of your people. You go to church to get healing, to get redemption, to get forgiveness. And sometimes you have to confess your sins. And if you're not willing to do that in the church, then what's the point? Shout out to my pastors who have stepped up and done their part and are looking to ways to further this and not just leave it at a call or um, speaking on it on a Sunday morning, but they're looking for ways to be practical about it. And so I applaud and appreciate anybody who has that mindset. Definitely. So as we go down memory lane, Sabrina, what do you have for us today for back in the day? I'm so excited about this one because I heard a lot about this party during this time and we're on it today. So let's just stay on it and talk about a little history with the Black Panther Party. It was actually founded by two students in the 1960s, which once again, shout out to the students, shout out to the young adults who were like, you know, social justice, we're on that. So these two students, they both protested the college Pioneer Day celebration. And as you can guess, the Pioneer Day celebration only wanted to celebrate the white people who came to California in the 1800s, but they omitted the role of the African Americans settling in the American West. So these two students, Huey Newton and Bobby Seal, they said, forget that, we're gonna form the Negro History Fat Group. <laughs> I just think that's excellent, right? So that called on the school to offer classes in black history. Have either mm. of you taken classes in black history before? I have, I took an African American studies class at USL. Oh, I'm jealous. I am too, because that was one of the things that I would have loved to been able to study. Yeah, the only thing uh, black history I got was my mom, but shout out to my mom, because she was definitely on it all day, every day. My mom's a school teacher, so you know, I wasn't gonna escape any kind of education at home anyway. But those two founded the Black Panthers in wake of assassination of Black nationalist Malcolm X, which I didn't know that that's when. I thought it just happened because people got tired of them killing us, which they're still doing. But no, after Malcolm X and shooting of an unarmed Black teen named Matthew Johnson, say his name, who was shot in San Francisco by the police. So they were originally dubbed the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense and the organization was founded in October 1966. So now I'm like, okay, October, I have like another little thing to kind of celebrate. And their early activities primarily involved monitoring police activities in black communities in Oakland and other cities, which I also think is kind of cool. And there needs to be like a a series on TV about it. Like I can, I'm like, how do they get this stuff to monitor the police? It's like a whole other world, but they were really, really on it, which I think is very cool. So a lot of times people try to portray them as a gang, but their leadership saw the organization as a political party whose goal was getting more African-Americans elected to political office. And another podcast, we can talk about how important mm. it is to be on that and know who your representatives are and be a part of that. And we're less than 100 days away from voting. So exactly. Sure so be on it, right? So, But they were kind of unsuccessful on that front. And plus, by the early 1970s, 
FBI counterintelligence efforts, criminal activities, and some little rifts here and there between group members weaken the party as a political force. But they did, however, start a number of popular community social programs, including, and I know I was on it in school, free breakfast programs for school children and free health clinics in 13 African-American communities across the U.S. And I just thought about it because a lot of people like to harp on the Black Panthers. And so I said, you know what, let me just do a quick Google and see what social or community programs did the KKK start? Anything for kids? And you know what I found? The Ku Klux Kitties. <laughs> I wish I was making this oh up. Y'all can, can look this wow. up. The Ku Klux ki Kitties. And no, they did not get free breakfast. But what they did get was baptized into the KKK. And along with their vows to like uh, raise religious children, the parents of these Ku Klux Kitties dedicated the children to the principles and ideals of Americanism, right? So to an outsider, that might sound like the promise to be like super patriotic, but in the KKK, it meant dedicating the children to a lifetime of upholding segregation, bigotry, and violent suppression of anyone who is not a white Protestant. And so this is my other little thing I'll hop on during back on the day. Christians, you got to stop pretending like being American and being Christian is like the same level. Mm -hmm. Evie put it best on a status. Sharika's one of, one of Sharika's favorite statuses. What did he say, Sharika? <laughs> Listen, no. It, it's, it's, do you know the one I'm talking yes, about? I do. Okay. <laughs> there is not going to be no American flag or any national anthems in heaven. And that's on that. Holy, holy, holy. <laughs> That's Bobby, you better start learning that song. <laughs> Thank you, Sabrina, you for enlightening us and sharing with us. Look, I learned a lot today. Listen, the Black Panthers were out here doing stuff for the children, and the KKK was out here doing the Glucose Kitties. And they're still not considered a terrorist organization by our lovely um, American government. So, of course, today we've talked about a lot of different things, social unrest. We didn't dive all the way into civil disobedience, but we alluded to some of the rioting and protesting and looting. And we definitely highlighted our U.S. government. Mm -hmm. Some things our government handles or has done in the past, you definitely give them a round of applause or a sense of kudos. But this one right here, I think this one takes the cake. Talk about a way to bamboozle a group of people talk about a way that you can still and this is in a sense somewhat of i guess you could say alluding to george floyd putting a foot on someone's neck mm. and i know as you're listening and you're like what is he gonna say i'm expounding today on amendment 13 where many people hear that and say yay we were freed from slavery i would encourage you to go back and read it and I know some of you won't read it, so I'll read it for you. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. So if you know, U.S. government has places not only in our 48 contingency states, but also two other ones and a lot of territories and even property in other countries all across this globe. 
So basically, this amendment tells you if you commit a crime and you're found guilty, you can basically still be a slave. And you might be like, what? That's real? Yes. So I'm going to give you guys just a little history lesson of some of the things that our lovely prison inmates have to do for our lovely country. Ever saw those lovely protective military gear that you see at some of these protests that are still going on? Yep, inmates deal with that. Some of the law enforcement equipment that you see them having? Yep, they do that too. Some of the places that I tell you not to go, the lovely golden arch empire of McDonald's. Those uniforms come from some of our inmates as well. Y'all like canceling stuff, right? So how about we start canceling some of these things? The U.S. government, in a sense, has loads of furniture that is made for the lovely IKEA, Microsoft, Bill Gates. I thought Bill it was done in Sweden. Me too. <laughs> Dang. These are lovely facts, and I can share them with you at any time. Shout out to Tipper Gore and Janet Reno. These are, in a sense, known, I guess you could say, people that we have mm -hmm. who made sure that these upholsteries in these federal prisons were done by inmates. Bill Gates and his lovely Microsoft packaging inmates. Honda, those of you who drive a Honda, some of your car parts, the Japanese automaker has previously and currently paid prison laborers $2 an hour to do the same work a civilian auto worker would do for roughly 10 or 15 times that much. Two bucks sounds pretty low to me. Ladies, I love y'all. No beef. But this is mainly only to the ladies in South Carolina because this is where it's made at. Victoria's Secret <laughs> Lingerie. Well, some guys might wear it too. <laughs> but Victoria's Secret Lingerie <laughs> is made by lovely prison inmates. Wow. I know some of us. And it's more stuff. JC's Pennies, Dentures, um, call centers. Some inmates work at call centers. Wow. If you're driving around, um, my wife going to hate me for this one. Inmates who are employed in the lovely state of Washington, Starbucks packaging, um, and tons of meats where you even had in the lovely state of Florida that I live in and Sharika lives in and Sabrina lives in as well. The organization that operates the state's 41 inmate work programs boasts that its food processing division processes tons of beef, chicken, and pork for a number of unnamed retail and institutional accounts. Copious amounts of processed beef and meat from our inmates. Wow. But that's just a few things. And I only listed 13 of them just because in lieu of 13. Oh, the, the last one is most of the tags that you've ever touched and put on your car or someone has placed on your vehicle for you, if you have a Jeep or a sedan or anything else, has come from inmates as well. Wow. So it's a lot of things. That is what I'm expounding on. I encourage you to go read Amendment 13 and to go just see the different things that our inmates who are behind bars have to deal with for not only their low pay, but we all know that there have been people who have been convicted of crimes mm -hmm. and they have been later found not guilty of those said yeah. crimes, mainly because of their skin color. And that's frustrating. Now, does that mean EB is saying free everybody and people shouldn't be locked up? No, no. I'm not saying that. People should be in confined for the crimes that they commit and where there is proper evidence. And also, as Sharika and Sabrina had alluded to earlier, that no matter if I'm black, if I'm brown, if I'm white, pale, purple, green, no matter what color I am, mm -hmm. these crimes should, in a sense, be some form of consistency. Yeah. Um, just recently in the lovely, it was last month. Yeah, it happened in July. So last month in Polk County, a person was arrested after a triple, you can look it up, you just put Polk County 
homicide, but after a triple homicide, him and two others, but one of these lovely people had 230 felonies. Wow. 230 felonies. You just put Polk County and put 230 felonies in Google. I trust Google will make sure that it pops up for you. And I'm not even going to tell you what code he was, but I'll let you take a wild guess. Oh, no. wow. I'll just let you take a while. And it's just mind-boggling that this person was free. I just know if I committed 230 felonies. You wouldn't have got that. High. I wouldn't have been free. <laughs> I would have never got that. I wouldn't have had a chance to. But just think of that and let that just, I guess, marinate in your lovely brain. That's what I'm expounding on today. I love the work programs. As someone who had a brother in and out for 10 years, the work programs, like, gave him life, got him out. You know, the problem is everything costs floss they only give them like two pair of underwear for whatever your duration of time so if you want more you got to pay for every phone call. it is so expensive not only for the prisoner but for the family mm-hmm. of the prisoner like if i wanted to send him 25 dollars, it was going to cost me at least a good 35 at yep. least they take to send, and i don't know where all that extra money is going so then on top of that he's working and what if he just needs like he, he wears glasses what if he just needed a pair of glasses? So how many days, months, he's going to have to work? And he, my brother wasn't even getting $2 a day. It was less than that for what he was doing. Uh, so thank good. you, Edie. And my heart is hurting, and I feel like I'm going to leave here. I hope I can focus on work because I'm, like, wanting to look at prison reform. Like, this is crazy to me. Yeah, I had no idea. Mm, it's so expensive no to be in prison. Oh, that was heavy. Thank you, Edie. No problem. So today... Sabrina, what you got? What you recommended for the people? Yes. So in this, well, okay, first I'm going to kind of lighten the mood because I feel heavy. I got two. My first one, I just need to send the evil eye to my friend Tanya and my husband Doug because Uh during the whole chicken sandwich debacle, they promised me, they swore out that Wendy's had a good chicken sandwich. And I should have known because it's a burger place, right? (laughs) So yesterday I'm going home and I have like, you know, sometimes after work, you can't even wait till dinner. I'm so hungry. So I'm like, I'm going to try it. Today's the day trash you guys like i bit into it and it was literally flashbacks you know how that's so raven she's a go back i got sent back to elementary school when we used to have the chicken sandwich at the, not even the lunchroom because that's classier fair the cafeteria and it tasted just like that it was not real chicken Aww. how dare y'all compare it to chick-fil-a or even popeyes come on and i know they say different ethnicities or whatever sometimes the palates <laughs> be different that was another level because when i went home i didn't even finish it that's how bad it was and i was like doug how dare you so you're gonna eat the rest of this chicken sandwich and he was like girl that was so good what are y'all talking like you what you talking it was so bad so so trust me, stay with the burgers if you ever go to Wendy's. I recommend Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches mm. or Popeye's, not Wendy's. I recommend their burgers, though, because that's my favorite, like, burger, fast food burger. All right. So now to the other thing that I recommend, uh, Blink. It's a book by Malcolm Gladwell. Have you guys ever heard of it? It's so good. In this book, he explores the psychology of snap decisions and quick thinking, illuminating how subconscious biases affect the way we think and behave. So he introduces this idea of thin slicing, right? So using little slivers of information about a person to form a larger opinion. How does this go into what we were talking about? Because this is what's happening to people, especially think about police who draw their gun too soon on Mm. African-Americans because they have these little slivers of information or little small biases, and everybody has biases Mm -hmm. that they believe, and even in courtrooms, right? 
these little slivers of information, these little biases we have from the media or whatever conversations you've been a part of that make you feel like this person is more dangerous. This person doesn't deserve a chance. It's an amazing mm. book. And one of the great conclusions he comes to at the end of the book is what if we had in our courtrooms a way for people to get a trial and the jury and the judge never see what the person looks like? Mm. Would we suddenly start seeing equality in the way that people are getting, um, what's, what's it called when you get, oh, the verdicts. Mm-hmm. Would the verdicts suddenly show equality across different races and ethnicities? My response to that is yes. I don't know why we haven't been on it. The book's been out but I for think a they while. Know that. That's why I mean they pay they pick jurors based on certain criteria. They do, but I I just get excited. The book is amazing, so read it. You know, it's great. Yeah. But I got excited about that idea, and I was like, why why haven't we implemented this? If we could have like blind courtrooms in a sense, like you you hear the crime, you hear everything, but you do not see the person. So I would say there has been some places, and um, I don't have it like handy right in front of me, but there have been some places where the individuals have been like behind like a tinted glass. Mm, I love um, it. And even for me, I would say I would recommend that. Mm. Where you're like, no, they can't just be out of sight, out of mind, but just have them in a tinted glass so they can hear all the stuff that's happening. So mm. that person can be able, after maybe court date number one, they can consult with their lawyer in a more effective way. But why is it a case that I like, I guess sit there and I know I don't know the specific law but there is a law somewhere that says like you have to face your accuser mm-hmm. so mm. I don't think that that has to be face to face we've been changing or amending laws forever and I think that that can continue so I definitely agree with um, that book and I've heard of that book as far as so that concept yeah. um, and Malcolm Gladwell is an amazing author how about you Sharika what you recommending for the people so today I'm recommending Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man with Emmanuel Acho. He's a sports announcer. Not announcer, commentator. I don't know. I'm not into sports like that. I'm sorry. But I only knew him because I love Yvonne Orgy and they used to date, but they broke up, which made me very sad. That's neither here nor there. I still followed him on social media and I started seeing him popping up with these uncomfortable conversations with a black man. And it's basically a little chat where he answers questions from people online. He also has had guests there. He's had the Gaines family from Fixer Upper. He's had, I just saw one, he has one Carl Lentz right now going on. So he sits down with people or he does it by himself and just talks about things that maybe if you're not a person of color or maybe if you are a person of color and you haven't had those experiences, but he just sits down and just has conversations or shares or answers questions that maybe you wonder and you you maybe felt uncomfortable to ask or you, you know, maybe was like, I don't want someone to think of me a certain type of way, but I've always wanted to know this. And he breaks down these things in a very, I would say, comfortable way for people who may already be uncomfortable. And it's usually not very long, so... Check those out. I know I see them on Instagram. I've seen people share them on Facebook. And they're probably on YouTube as well. But it's called Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. Shout out to Emmanuel Acho, who also was a former NFL player. Oh, yes. I do remember Ooh. that part. Too. Yeah, he's dope. He's a, he's a great guy. He's also, he talks to one of my good friends, Steve Carter, often. Oh, they have cool. A, like, they just, they're good friends. You need to be knowing the people. Shout out to the famous people who know each other. <laughs> I just happen to know one. Um... <laughs> But what I'm recommending to the people today is one of my favorite people in the world. And it's one of those individuals that if I get a chance to sit down with her, give y'all a hint, 
I would definitely want to pick her brain. But in July of 2016, his amazing lady um, had a surprise announcement that 13th, a documentary mm. would be released. Ava DuVernay yes. has an amazing Netflix film um, that is basically just centered on race in the United States and our current criminal justice system. Um, it's titled after the 13th Amendment of the United States, which had, as I said earlier, outlawed slavery unless as a punishment for a crime. She opens up this documentary with a statement that 25% of the people in the world who are incarcerated are incarcerated in the United States. So one-fourth of prison inmates or jail inmates all across this globe are here within our 50 states. That's a problem because we're not even close to being a quarter of the world's population. And that's just mind-boggling to me is other countries have figured out their criminal justice system. You know, why haven't we figured out our own here or found a way to adopt what they're doing because whatever they're doing must be effective. Just check it out. It's a great documentary and it talks about mass incarceration and the way that systems continue to perpetuate this violence or hatred towards certain individuals and it has public figures, activists, politicians who are all throughout it and I think you will be more informed and intrigued after coming to the end of it. And that's on Netflix, correct? That is on Netflix. Uh, I was supposed to watch that with a group a while, like years ago, and I just couldn't do it. It hit too close to home. But I'm going to watch it, Evie. I'm going to. Please watch it. Uh, I think it just helps, because I think it's watching it, and then you share it with those people who still don't think that certain issues in our world is a problem. But it goes back to what you said earlier on, with some people, you just give up having the conversation. That is true. And the people, not everyone in my circle, but I would probably say a good 90% of my circle is on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have to get rid of any friends during this because I'm not friends with people who aren't really on it. I'm definitely friends with people who have different opinions yeah. on things, but... Oh, that's going to be a hard watch. Yeah. It's going to be hard. It definitely just, is. Mm. And I, I think the other thing is, earlier, don't don't get what I'm not saying. When I say ignoring people or not engaging in conversation, that doesn't help you mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically in those areas. Um, I don't, I'm one of those few people, I can say few because I don't have a number on it. I'm one of the people who don't believe in cancel culture. Mm-hmm. I might find ways to avoid certain topics with you because I know it will not be good for me in my walk, um, or it's going to just take both of us down a rabbit hole that I would refuse to dive into. But I will say that just try not to cancel people because God isn't in the business of canceling folks. He didn't cancel me. I won't cancel you. Why are you coming for me? I'm just saying, we're canceling people for no reason. I know. I'm not. Shout out to people who blocked me on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with him, though. I'm not really, because I feel like everybody makes mistakes. And John Chris just put a great video up on YouTube about cancel culture and yes. I couldn't have agreed more. Shout out to John Chris. He back <laughs> after his eight month hiatus. Alright. Did well, it really count? Because there was a pandemic. He was another eight he, months. He definitely <laughs> counted. You can go check out his videos too. We yeah. Not, well yeah we just recommend him. I'm gonna see if we can get him on the podcast. I know his people's I'm not a cancel culture but I am sure an unfriender and in very <laughs> rare cases a blocker too. But it's for my mental health and stability. So I love them I love you people that I may have unfriended, but I just sometimes don't like the things you say and do. And I just don't want to see them. So I got to let you go. I will love you in Jesus Christ, but I will let you go on Facebook. You love him like you love praying for Melania? 
<laughs> I'm not I, I on social media that. enough to like, um, girl. I wasn't even gonna lie. I'm not on social media enough to care to unfriend or block. I do have two social, one for work and one for personal, but I'm not on either enough to do that. But like I said, I really don't have to that much because I just don't really have people on there that be on the other stuff. Yeah. I can go to EB's when I want to get my fill. <laughs> oh, yeah. You oh, got a lot of stuff, but I love it. Well, guys, it's been a heavy, but a good, it's very therapeutic to talk about mm-hmm. the hard things. And, EB, I will get to you, and I'll get to you guys on the podcast when I watch 13. Well, I was going to say I'll watch it with you, but now you're committing to getting back, and I don't know if I can. No, we can still watch it together. We might need that. I bet we need the support. <laughs> we might need that. Um, the thing is, I'm a highly sensitive person. Y'all can Google it and see what it means later. But I know I'm not going to be able to be the same afterwards. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. And there's a piece of me that is going to be angry for a long time. And I guess I should be okay with that. Just angry about injustice. All right. That's the call. It's time for us to go. (laughs) (laughs) It's been our longest episode yet. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe. Share it with your friends. Talk to the people. Let them know that we here and we live in effect at the kickback.